You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ogi Ogui, the lead pastor of Circle Church International. He envisions all men living Christ-centered lives. Be blessed as you listen. Praise the Lord. All right. Welcome to second service. Welcome to second service. All right. Um, I was I was really blessed. That's a Christian way to say that I enjoyed Defiles um, ministration, not performance. Christianese. In the first service, we talked about or we did a question and answer session, Q and A's with um, where I discussed, um, I answered questions, questions that you may have had. Um, concerning your relationships. And then in the second service, I want to talk about long-distance relationships. Amen. Now, some people might have a problem with the fact that a lot of churches are talking about relationship-related matters in the month of February. Considering that Valentine's Day is not a Christian tradition, it's a very, very, very secular tradition. Um, And then the question goes... Why are you talking about these things in church? You know, we should preach Christ in church. And that's very true. But you need to realize that church is not a classroom. Church is... And we shouldn't have opinions on subject matters. Or we shouldn't do life with opinions that are found outside of God's word. Do you understand that? So, where better as a Christian, to learn about these things than in church. I mean, we're not talking about business, you know, the principles of business. You see, business is a secular thing. You don't need to have Christian business. You just need to have business. But you can do business in a Christian way. And so we'll talk about the Christian way to do business. Do you understand? So we won't teach you how to make profits or will teach you how to behave like a Christian in the business. Because some Christians are very, very ridiculous when it comes to business. Ha! She has suffered many heartbreaks. <laughs> Alright, some Christians are very ridiculous. But on matters concerning the heart, we can't leave, you know, the opinion of people to secular society to tune. Do you understand? You can't do that. I, I said in the first service, you know, as part of my preparation for today's sermon, um, this second service sermon, I, was, I went online. I did some research on how, you know, best to approach long-distance relationships. And I saw some very funny ideas. Health professionals telling you, send them nude images, occasional nude images, talk dirty over the phone. Where's the room? For the Christian in that kind of a world. Where's the room? That's why we have conversations like that. Or like this. That's why we take out time. At least in the month of love. Let us talk about love God's way. Let's not introduce a love that is transactional. Let's not introduce a love that is regulated by the world. Let's talk about love the way God will have us talk about it. Let's not talk about love the way um, the world will have us talk about it. And that's why we're talking about things like this. At least we can talk about it in the safety. You don't have to censor anything that is taught. Do you understand? 
Why did we have um, sin and defile, sing a song that doesn't, you know, speak about Christ? Because you can have love songs that you don't have to censor. You can have love songs that are not predominantly about how her waist is making you lose your mind. You can have love songs that, you know, promote values that you uphold. Promote values like prophesying. Did you get that? Yeah, make it look cool. It is cool. Has anybody ever prophesied to you before? Or giving you a word of knowledge? How did you feel like, wow? Like it's, so, it's like a superpower. <laughs> Even you, when you're prophesying to someone else, you feel like a superhero. Yeah, especially when you start seeing a person and then the person starts crying. You're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm hitting it right there. <laughs> so this morning, I want to talk about long-distance relationships. Next week, I'm going to talk about two things. Um, in the first service or second service, I'm going to talk about two things generally. Um, the first of which would be um, handling parents in a relationship. I think I'll just talk about everything together. And then I'm also going to talk about, or we're going to do a conversation on how I got married. So for those, I'm not telling you love stories, though. Please, I hate love stories. I'm just joking. (laughs) But for those young men, a lot of young men want to get married, want to settle down, and they don't know how to. Have you seen that guy? Where did they see this money? Where did they use? A lot of people think that it's about having money. You know, plenty of it before you say. So we'll talk about those things next week. Just so that um, we can do things from a Christian perspective. Do you understand? But for today, let's talk about long-distance relationships. I I just highlighted, I think, five tips. This tip number one, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. Listen, relationships were not designed to be done over long distances. I'm not saying, bear in mind, I'm not saying that if you're in a long distance relationship, go and break up now. That's not what I'm saying. Don't say pastor said we should break up. Please, I did not say such. Hear me out. Relationships are difficult. Let me not say they are difficult because every time I say this thing to Prince he says I'm scaring him. So I'm... <laughs> Relationship requires a lot of intentionality and a lot of hard work. Do you understand that? A lot of people think that relationships just come naturally. Have you ever heard people say, it shouldn't be that hard. It should be. It should be. I mean, think about it. You don't understand yourself fully. You now introduce another person. What were you expecting? Do you ever do some things and when you are done doing it, you're like, ah, you are foolish. <laughs> Raise your hand if that's ever happened to you before. I cannot be alone on that. Eh? When you just finish doing that thing, ah, and somebody will want to marry you. When I got married, my best friend comes and says, so somebody will call you daddy very soon, you. (laughs) You are difficult on your own, to yourself. You now add another human being to it. Listen, human interactions require a lot of hard work. Some of you had roommates that you knew that if not for the work you put in, that room would have burnt down. One day you just wake up out of anger, just match it, light it, and just walk away. 
Because those people is like the devil planned them. He said, What room are you in? One. Say, my son. Go to one room. <laughs> and these are just roommates. Now imagine somebody that you have committed your time, you've decided to commit your emotions, you've decided to commit everything to that one person. How incredibly difficult will that be? Listen, it is beautiful. But it doesn't have to be easy because it is beautiful. You know, they would always say, life is not a bed of roses. In a bed of roses, there are thorns. Many times, the beauty is in seeing the hard work pay off. Do you understand? So, relationships as they are, are already difficult. When they are unencumbered by distance issues, time zone differences, and you know what I'm talking about. So if you can avoid a long distance relationship, please do so. If you have the luxury of avoiding it, avoid it. I remember in 2017, my wife and I, we had just dated for about a year. And then Nigeria wanted to do what Nigeria does in the name of NYSC. So they carried my wife and threw her to Abuja. (laughs) She thanked God for the hand of God and the leg of man. As soon as I saw that she was going to Abuja, I just walked myself to Abuja. Because I cannot come and go and kill myself. Honestly, now not everybody would be as lucky as I was. You know, but if you can, if you have the opportunity to, I mean, your partner is moving to another city and you can move. Move. Or especially if this is somebody you want to spend the rest of your life with. Do you understand what I'm saying? So as much as you can, hmm, avoid long distance relationships. A lot of ladies will come and tell me, I want to go and do my master's abroad. You, are, you guys have dated for three years. I'm going abroad to do my master's. The guy is working here. Now, are there good schools in Nigeria that you can do your master's in? Yes. It will cost you less too. Why must you travel outside? Why? <laughs> Why? And I say, I cannot, I cannot put my life on hold because, because of a relationship. What kind of mentality is that? Yeah, I'm not saying it to make you people happy. I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> it's hard, right? It's true. What kind of mindset is that? That all my dreams of going abroad to do what? To do what? Let's discuss it now. What are you going there to do? <laughs> to go into snow. There, there, how many days now have they not had lights in Texas? It's back now. They brought it back now. Congratulations. Sir. <laughs> to do what? Really, to do what? Escape what? <laughs> you know, I, I think I'm privileged to know a lot of people abroad and what they do for a living. Sometimes when I hear their stories, I just thank God for where I am. <laughs> Make no mistakes. If you have the opportunity to run away, and God should allow you. But honestly, 
A lot of people just say, I want to travel abroad and do my master's. No plan of God, no paying attention to what God wants. You just get up and go and go and suffer. It's true. I know a lady, I know a lady, she was doing her first degree. That's 100 level to 400 level. And she was working three jobs. Three. Three to sustain herself. Three. She would drive school bus. She would work in a shop and do another work. Three. 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 When you were in Nigeria, they were giving you pocket money. At least, even if it's not plenty, at least they will send you some 15K. Bad as it be, you will beg somebody for Gary and drink. Three jobs. Three. So do what? Just to pay bills. <laughs> it's not... So let me just tell you, if it's not in the will of God for you to leave this country, you better stay here. The best place to be is at the center of God's will for your life. Not Canada, not the United States, not Nigeria, definitely not Nigeria. (laughs) But at the center of God's will for your life. So if you can avoid a long distance relationship, please do so. Do so. It's not the normal way it should be. It adds a lot more pressure to the relationship. Am I saying the truth? I don't so avoid it. But if you can't avoid it, tip number two. Decide to make the relationship work. Decide to make the relationship work. You hear of people who were dating and dating and dating for long and they traveled two weeks, the relationship has finished. And then you begin to wonder why. The problem was there was no there was no resolution to make the relationship work on time. It wasn't there. Do you understand? They just wanted to wing it. Let's see how it goes. And that's not the way it should be. You have to decide before time that this thing is going to work. We are going to make a good couple, even with our distance. We are going to, you know, go through it. And let me just say this while I'm talking about long-distance relationships. You know, a lot of you are wicked. I'm sorry. I'm not. A lot of you, because a lot of you, instead of you two, you want to end the relationship. So you don't end it because you don't want to look like a bad person. You just wait for it to coincide with when you travel. Once you travel like this, one week after, you're like, I don't think we can work out the differences between the both of us. So you use the distance as an excuse to end the relationship. Your judgment is waiting for you. (laughs) Honestly, that doesn't make you a good person. If you're tired of the relationship, if it's no longer working, end it. It's not by force. Anyway, decide to make the relationship work. Number three, plan ahead for possible challenges. And this point is very important. Plan ahead for possible challenges. Plan ahead for possible challenges. For example, how many hours behind us is Canada? Six hours, yeah? Yeah. Generally, how many hours are big? Six to seven hours. So let's say six hours. If where the person is moving to is six hours behind you, before they move, ask yourself, what will that mean for the relationship? A lot of people just keep quiet about it till they've gone. Then they realize, ooh, 
different time zones. You don't plan for the challenges that may come. What will, the, what will it mean for our relationship that by the time I wake up by 7 a.m., it is your 1 a.m., you are still sleeping? So if I'm the kind of person that wants to wake up early in the morning and have a good morning call, what does that mean for our relationship? Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. What will it mean for us? Because if, if, it is my, if it is my 7 a.m. and your 1 a.m., that means by the time you are waking up by 7 a.m. or 6 a.m. or let's say 7 a.m., it should be my 12 noon or 1 in the afternoon, right? Good. So what does that mean for me and for you? A lot of people fight about this thing. I called him. He said he's busy. He's always busy having classes. What time did you call him? It is your 8 p.m. here. So you have already started shutting down for the day. You want to call him and have long conversations with him, but you've forgotten. It is 2 p.m. He's in the middle of class or work. Do you understand? So how about you plan around those differences? So when is it his 12 noon when he can go for breaks? Can he call you then here? When it is your own 12 noon, he should just be waking up or she should just be waking up. Can you make your good morning call then? You plan for those things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand? You plan your communication. What lines of communication are we going to use? If I'm the kind of person who likes to hear your voice a lot, but I'm not very big on texting, do I know that about myself? And how do we walk around that now? Not that we'll get there, I'm texting you, you are calling me, I don't pick your calls, you don't reply my texts. And we're fighting. Do you get the difference now? So, do we agree? Okay, I will call you in the morning, you will text me in the evening. Do you understand? So, my afternoon, your morning, we'll make a phone call. My evening, your afternoon, we text. We'll, can we see if that works? You're planning. And while you plan, you plan knowing fully well that whatever you planned is subject to change. Subject to other factors that you, you probably could not even account for. So when they go there, you start trying it out and then you evolve. Your, your plan should evolve as those factors are being introduced. Do you get what I am saying? And the truth is, this will also help even for those of you who are in the same city but run very busy schedules. Do you understand? Because you two, you are in a long-distance relationship. Two weeks, you have not seen yourselves. You are busy. It's true. So you plan around it. Can we do video calls? How viable is it for us to do video calls? Some people, the moment they just say you are in the Obodos, the first thing you want to do is video call. Count down. Can we do video calls? When can we do video calls? How frequently can we do these things? When is it okay for you? When is it okay for me? Do you get this? Plan for challenges. In relationships generally, plan for challenges. Plan for challenges. What are the possible challenges that can arise because of our relationship? And how can we fix them? You might have to set alarms. It's 12 noon now. Call so-to-so person. If you missed the call, by 1 o'clock send a text. This is why I missed, I missed our call. 
Listen, the distance puts a, a greater necessity on the pillars of your relationship. Do you understand? It is like, it is like a building that is supported by four pillars. The building on itself puts a lot of stress on the pillars. But when you add more people inside the building, you put more stress on the pillars. So those pillars must be built with those people in mind. Do you get it? So, for example, you want to enter an elevator, and it will tell you the elevator can only take six people, or these kilograms, 80 kilograms, or 200 kilograms. If six of you weigh more than 200 kilograms, don't enter. Right? If six of you weigh below, if seven of you weigh 200 kilograms on the dot, enter. But that would mean that each of you weigh like 30 kilograms, which is very weird. But enter. So you can put seven kids in the elevator, but just like four adults. Because you know what it can take. This is why it's important for you in your relationship to evaluate what your relationship is able to handle. I've told you, there are four major pillars of any relationship. You have communication, understanding, trust, and time. And the way it works is that you spend time communicating in order to understand one another. And that gives birth to trust. You spend time communicating in order to understand one another. And that gives birth to trust. But here is the thing. Can our relationship at where it is now, how much trust is in our relationship? What can it handle? Be realistic. You guys just started dating. Your girlfriend told you she's battling with some insecurities. Your boyfriend told you he's battling with some insecurities. Then you put the added stress of traveling abroad. Then every other second you are posting pictures of another lady on your WhatsApp status. What do you think that will do to your relationship? Then you now say, am I not allowed to have friends? Like a clown. Do you understand? Your, your communication is carrying more weight now. Because there is, there is the, the stress of distance. Time, um, time zone differences. on that relate. It's carrying more weight now. Your time coming, the time that you spend together is taking a hit. And if those two things take a hit, understanding will take a hit. Do you understand this? Yeah. Let me tell you something that many of you don't acknowledge. No matter how much you think you do, if you don't have a 9 to 5 in Lagos, you don't understand what a person who has one is going through. You don't. You do not. If you are not working 9 to 5 inside this city, this particular city that we are living in, you don't understand what someone who is is going through. You might want to say, I've read, I've seen stories of all the stress, but there's a level of understanding that comes from being able to empathize. That is, I've been in it before, and I know what it feels like. So when you are expecting your husband, wife, boyfriend, or girlfriend, that works in 9 to 5 in this city and goes to work every day, (laughs) goes to work every day, you're expecting them to call you like someone else who doesn't have the same conditions around their relationship like your own. You're being unfair. This leads me to my next tip. Understand that no other person's relationship is like your own. Even long-distance relationships don't have... Even if the person is in the same city with you and his partner is in the same city with your own partner, 
Do you understand? The relationships are not the same. Because the levels of understanding, the levels of communication, all those levels were not the same at the point you traveled. Do you get what I am saying? Uh-huh. Listen, it's okay to say that, see, I trust my man to this level at this point. As this relationship progresses, the trust will grow. But to, to say, you know, to demand trust, listen, to demand trust at a level that your relationship has not grown to is borderline and robbery. So you say, don't you trust me? Don't you trust that I can be with these women and nothing will happen? Europe. Do you understand? You are demanding trust at a level that understanding cannot carry. It is understanding that carries trust. If you understand, you know you have friends that you understand them so well that if they tell you he did this, you say it's not true. He did this other one. Now that one he can't do. You have friends that if they tell you, ah, we caught him smoking weed, you say he does not smoke. I know this one, he cannot, he does not smoke. It's not because he's afraid of smoking, no. But I know he doesn't smoke. But if you hear, ah, that he was drunk, say, ah, that one, I know him for it. <laughs> he's good like that. Because it's understanding that carries trust. So seek to build understanding in your relationships. Especially in the long distance ones. Do you get what I'm saying? Build understanding. Seek to understand your partner. What are you saying? What did I do wrong? And don't ask that question from a defensive position. Like, actually, I want to know. What did I do to solicit this response from you? Do you get what I'm saying? Understanding is not just about knowing their best color. Say, I understand my girlfriend. Her best color is black. Her favorite food is yam and beans. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So seek to build trust. Actually, that trust conversation is tip number four. Build trust. And building trust. Listen, when you are building trust with someone, you understand that there are boundaries that I cannot cross. Not because if I cross them, it will make me less of a person, but because I'm trying to get this person to trust me. Is that true? Some of you know what you did to get your parents to trust you. You wake up and start doing house chores that they didn't ask you to do. Just because you want them to trust you, to know that you can do it. That's how it should be. Paul says all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. See, the moment you realize that absolute freedom is absolute bondage, you will wake up. That when, when somebody is living in absolute freedom and the, the person will become a slave to those things that his freedom have, affords him. But when there are boundaries, then you can, you can say, I have freedom within these boundaries. That's what freedom should look like. Stop seeking for freedom that does not have boundaries. So you are in a dating relationship. There are boundaries to your relationship, sir. Boundaries to your relationship. So you go abroad now. You can't just go for any party at any place with anybody. You have a partner. What does that mean? 
Do I call? Oh, I'm going out with this person. This is the person I'm going out with. This is our relationship. This is our history. This is who he is to me. This is who she is to me. You have to be accountable in that way. But your partner doesn't know you're going out. The next day, just wake up the next morning because when it was your own night, they were sleeping. So they wake up the next morning and then they just start seeing videos on your Snapchat or on your WhatsApp stories or on your Instagram. You are in the club. You are with this person. You're like, this is not you. Or who is this person? And then when he asks, who is this person? You say, he's, he's breathing down my neck. He's smothering me. Or she's smothering me. No. They have a right to ask. Do you understand? That's what you signed up for, in case you didn't know. <laughs> Alright. Tip number five. Have a life of your own. Have a life of your own. Mm. A lot of people, how they define themselves is so-so person's boyfriend or so-so person's girlfriend. And while that is, while that is commendable, I mean, if you go to my social media um, sites, you would say I'm husband to this person. It's part of, my, it's part of what you need to know about me. I'm proud of it. It's, a, it's my identity. But while it is important, you need to have a life of your own. Because, number one, you cannot seek to talk to the same person for six hours, seven hours every day. Have a life of your own. Have friends. Go out with them. Do things. Have projects that you are embarking on. Embark on them. Fulfill them. Do you understand? Stop trying to fill that void that your laziness created with conversations with a partner that is absent. Do you understand? Have a life of your own. Another thing is, listen, now your communication is is encumbered by distance and differences in time zones. When you call, make sure you have something to talk about. Do you understand? Some people don't know. Some people don't know that this is a very vital part of relationships. You just call and say, oh, yeah, talk. <laughs> talk. <laughs> and then the lady is like, I don't have anything to talk about. Say, eh, <coughs> bye-bye. Or have you eaten? What did you eat? When did you wake up? How was your day? Have things to talk about. Be interesting, small. This is important. It's funny, but it's important. Do you understand? Learn how to start conversations. How to make small talk. So, what do you think about the elections? How is it affecting you? What do you think is the effect, um, the effect of the elections, the US elections, on the economy of the country you are living in? Now, it seems like an interview question, but it's an interesting question. Something you can talk about. If that's not interesting to you, something else. But make sure that you have things to talk about. This is why it's important for you to know what's going on around you. Some of you, all you know is Bella Niger. So if it is not reported on Bella Niger, Tunde Ednot or Insta blog, you don't know about it. Or they don't report all the important stuff. So have a life of your own. 
build a life outside, have friends, go out, have drinks, not alcoholic drinks, just have fun, basically, have fun outside, and have things so that when you call, you're like, oh, so my day was fun, we did this, we did that, not, so how was your day? Same old, same old, though, I woke up, I ate rice in the morning, then in the afternoon, I had donuts for lunch, then I slept, then, oh, oh, something interesting happened today. Never brought lights in the evening, finally. Just imagine you are in that kind of area every day. At some point, when they call, you'll be like, it's true. It's true. Many of you insist that your partners talk to you, but you are, you are a boring person. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, you don't have to be the most interesting person. Right, but at least be able to hold a conversation when it starts. When and then some of you, okay, you can't bring up the conversation. Your partner brings up the conversation, and like, I don't want to talk about that. Or you bring something for us to talk about. So have a life of your own. See, let me tell you something. When your partner leaves the vicinity where you are, chances are that they have to make new friends. Do you understand? So they will not be lonely where they are. So they make new friends. Now, if you're making new friends, you have to build a life with them. Do you understand this? So if you're insisting that their lives should still revolve around you, of which I told you last week that nobody, nobody is big enough to be at the center of anybody's world. You are not big enough to be at the center of your own world. So if you're insisting that their lives should revolve around you, you're making a big mistake. This is why a lot of people in long-distance relationships always have problems. Because they want to keep talking for long. But it's not practical. Okay? Okay? Yeah. You know what? I want to take one question. Something you'd like me to speak to. Um, good morning, everyone. Hi. Um, good morning, Pastor. Um, so I'd like to ask you what practical steps you have for us to be truly satisfied in Christ. Okay. Because, you know, a lot of times when people get into relationships or when they chase money or career, you know, blindly or just with so much passion, maybe not blindly, Oftentimes, they're trying to get a satisfaction that they, even when they don't know, they're trying to get some satisfaction from these things. So, if you observe, you see that you get, maybe not you, but like, you know, somebody else, you, you get passion from these things. You're happy when you have these things. But as a Christian, only Jesus should be that ultimate passion for you. So, how do you shift from... I get passion for maybe my relationship. I get passion for my job, which isn't bad, though. But, like, those things now sit as idols. And that's where you get your ultimate passion from. So how do you shift from getting ultimate passions from these things to getting ultimate passion in Christ? Especially when, you know, pardon my honesty, but when Christ at that moment in time, you don't get that you get from all these other things outside Christ. So how do you move to Christ and get all your complete satisfaction in Christ. All right. Okay. Wonderful question. I've done so many teachings on the subject here, but wonderful question. This, so let me say this. Um, 
first and foremost, understand that those things are not outside Christ. Your career is not outside Christ. Your, your need for financial prosperity or financial stability is not outside Christ. Your relationship is not outside Christ. So the first thing I would say is understand that you don't have a career life, a relationship life, an academic life. You have one life. That life is in Christ and it's the umbrella that covers every other thing. So the passion you get from all those things are still in Christ. Do you understand? This is the problem. The devil wants to make you think that that satisfaction you get from going, you know, trying to hit a particular financial target. So you've told yourself by the end of 2021, I'm going to be a millionaire. And then you, you take, you know, practical steps to becoming a millionaire. And then you get that one million. The devil wants you to think that that satisfaction you get from seeing that one million in your account, God is against it. But God is pleased with you for hitting that target. That satisfaction is still under Christ. Do you understand? It becomes a problem though when you exalt that satisfaction above, or you try to exalt the satisfaction above Christ. That is, so I'm going to chase money, and it doesn't matter what it does to my Christianity. It doesn't matter what it does to my relationship with God. It doesn't matter what it does to my devotion, you know, with God and in Christ. I'm still going to just run after money. That's what God doesn't want. So, Understand that God wants you to live a full life. He wants you to try as much as possible to be successful. Try to get all the A's in your academics. Try to have a beautiful relationship. I mean, the fine guy that looks nice, takes you on very nice romantic dates and all of that. And he wants all of those things, all right? He wants you to know that all of those things are found in him. Do you understand? So that's the first thing you need to know, that they are not independent of one another. It's not that, oh, if I must be satisfied in Christ, I shouldn't be satisfied with making money. No, I should be satisfied with that. But I should realize that that satisfaction is still secondary. It's secondary while my primary satisfaction is in Christ. Do you understand that? Number one. Number two is this. What do you listen to? What motivates you? You see, motivation... Or, or our minds work like this. How many of you have a car? Raise your hand if you have a car. Okay, not many of us. But some of us do. Now, the way your mind works is this. Or, okay, how many of you have ever bought a dress on the internet? Raise your hand. You, you've bought a dress from Instagram or you've bought a cloth from somewhere. How many of you noticed that after you bought it, you start seeing it everywhere? Is it true? Honestly, I just got a car. And it's a white Toyota Matrix. And honestly, I didn't know that that many people in Festac Town have white Toyota Matrices. Because it was as soon as I just started driving the car, I just, uh-uh. How far now? My car be that. That's also my car. And it was never like that before. That's the way the mind works. The mind draws associations with something that it has registered with. So when you keep watching the wrong things and keep allowing the wrong content into your heart, soon enough, your mind will start drawing that association with your life. So if, for example, you're seeing someone who is saying things like, you know, um, um, so you see someone, a song, for example, two years ago, if you don't make money, waiting, we gain. 
and you've allowed that to, you know, fill your mind. You've been singing it and singing it and singing it. Before you know it, your mind will make that association that money is equal to ultimate gain. Do you get it? So another practical step would be to condition your mind with the teachings of scripture that Christ is my ultimate gain. Like, you know, when we say that you should be satisfied in Christ, it doesn't mean um, have Christ, be satisfied in Christ, and don't go for anything again. Don't be ambitious. Don't try to work hard. Don't try to get anything. No, but what we are saying is that condition your mind in such a way that you realize that every other thing I have, though they are good, are nothing compared to the fact that I have Christ. And this satisfaction we are talking about is not um, that I should now, when I, when I think about the fact that I have Christ, and I'll be like, ah. No, it's a knowledge that every other thing I have is more than a feeling. It's now a conscious awareness that I might have money, I might have cars, I might have fame, but all of those things are nothing compared to the fact that I have Christ and I have eternal life in him. And how you achieve that is by a consistent, conscious um, programming of your mind. That is, I know it's important to have a car. I know it's important to have a house. But every time I would remind myself, even when I don't feel like it, do you understand? Because even when you don't feel like your parents love you, do they love you? They do. So even when I don't feel like Christ is enough for me, I mean, I mean, how do I tell a 25, 26, 27, 28-year-old man who is looking to settle down, doesn't have more than 200,000 naira in his account, and he has a woman he wants to marry that Christ is enough for you? Is it Christ that will pay my bride price? Will I go there and say, I have Christ? Give me your daughter. Do you understand? So even at times like that, I must, I must consciously remind myself that, look, I might not have everything that I want. I might not have everything that I desire at the moment. But look, I have Christ. He is enough. I'm still going to go for all these other things. But I must never forget Christ is enough. I don't feel like he is enough, but he is enough. Do you understand? It has nothing to do with how you feel. You know, people always say, oh, we always preach joy, that we should have joy in the Holy Ghost. But sometimes I don't feel joy. Joy has nothing to do with how you feel. It's a, it's a conscious state of awareness. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is, you know, hormones, um, enzymes are released, you feel happy. That's happiness, sorry. But joy is a conscious state of awareness. If I have Christ, I have everything. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the way your mind should be conditioned to work. If I have Christ, I have everything. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I have anything right now. But I have Christ. And the truth is, it is in times of tribulation that your convictions are most tested. Do you understand? So it's in times of tribulation that you must remind yourself more. Amen. Uh-huh. You, know, you know, whenever I say this, people say, you've never been in a time of tribulation. I have. And the, the mindset people have is that um, um, when, when these emotions come, they are overwhelming, you can't control them. And I often say, will you ever, no matter how angry you get, will you ever slap a soldier on the road? No. 
I remember one day I was driving and then a soldier did something and then I, I drove, you were in the car with us that day. I drove to his side to give him a piece of, I wound down and I saw the belt and I just I greeted him. <laughs> I just greeted him and drove past. As I just saw belt car, I said, no. It's not me that they will pack today. I asked it to swim. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it is possible to snap yourself out of that feeling and remind yourself that, look, it doesn't, it's not going the way I want it to go, but Christ is enough for me. Do you understand? This also goes to your associations. Who are you working with? Who are you walking with? Who are you talking to? Whose voice are you listening to? Who's, who advises you? It's in the little things. You have options. You call your friends. You say, oh, I have these options. If your friends are always inclined towards the one that is more financially profitable, regardless of what you lose, you don't have good friends. I'm sorry. But you don't. Regardless of what it is that I lose, I might lose my relationship with God. I might lose my friendship. I might lose everything around me. But as long as I made more money, you don't have good friends. Because if they advise you that way, they will do the same to you. So it's in the little things. You want to date? I remember there was this beautiful house I saw. When we were looking for a house before we got married, my wife and I. There was this lovely house. I mean, it was a duplex. And it was going for a... The price was a steal. It was a two-bedroom duplex. There was a house down... Um, um, a parlor downstairs with a kitchen. Um, two rooms upstairs. Very beautiful. I checked out the house. I called the woman. She said, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. Alongside being, then I was in charge of marketing at the company. I was like, I'm a pastor. She said, ah, I hope you will not be praying in my household. Now, it was very easy for me to do the Nigerian thing. I said, ah, ah, prayer care. Prayer is for church. Right? But I refuse. I refuse. I act. Listen, It's simple. Or it might seem like a small example, but that's where it starts. I refuse to say, you know what, I won't pray in your house. Because if I have, if I have made it comfortable in my mind that there, is, there are some situations where I might have to disguise my true identity to get by, then when those situations arri- um, arrive, I'm going to do the same. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Good. So, it's in the little things. So I think these are practical steps. Number one, understand that God wants all that satisfaction that you feel for you. He wants you to be happy when you make money. He wants you to be pleased with yourself. He wants all that satisfaction for you. But also, number two, program your mind to be satisfied in Christ. There are so many teachings I've done on this and they're on the Google Drive. I think there's one called True Devotion. Um, there are so many, I can't remember their titles. Amen. Were you blessed? Thank you for listening. For more, head over to circlechurchglobal.org or visit any of the church campus addresses on the website. God bless you.